0: It's time for another edition of Family Life Today, presented by Power to Change, known in America as Family Life. Welcome. We trust you'll find today's program interesting and hope it will be a great encouragement to you and your own family situation. So let's join our presenters, Dave and Ann Wilson.
1: So I'm at this social event and this stranger... Who had just found out that I'm a marriage author and a radio podcast marriage co-host comes over because she heard this and says, "So I'm in my second marriage. I have one question for you. What's the problem with marriage?" Oh, and remember- I've got like 15 seconds to answer this. I remember this. <laughs> well, she didn't ask you. She asked me. I know. So what would you say?
2: <laughs> well, years ago, I'd have said, "Oh." I know the answer. It's my husband. (laughs) I think a lot of women would say that. Oh, there's one problem in our marriage. It's my husband. But that's not true. That's not what you said either, is it?
1: Well, it sort of gets at what I said. I mean, I was like scrambling, but I looked back at her and I said selfishness. Mm. And the funny thing was, I could not have scripted this. She looks back at me. She goes, "You are so right. My first husband was so selfish." (laughs) And I looked at her. I said, "I'm not talking about your first husband. I'm talking about you." And then I said, "I'm talking about me." I think when I said, "I'm selfish too," it gave me an audience. She's like, "Oh, let's talk." But I think that is at the core of all of our problems, whether it be marriage or not. And so today we get to talk a little bit about that with Jen Osman, who has been with us before. But Jen, welcome back to Family Life Today.
3: Thanks, you guys. It's so good to be here. Thanks I, for having me back.
1: I think the last time you were here, we were in a pandemic.
3: We sure were. We oh, were just what? a few months in. We still are, aren't we? we? Now we're getting toward a few <laughs> years in, but yeah. here we are.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and obviously you live where our son lives, Parker. Yes. Colorado. Yes. Tell us a little bit about your life. I know you're a pastor's wife and an author and you've got
2: four kids. He's been a missionary for years.
3: Yes. So I'm coming up on our 23rd wedding anniversary. And mm. we were married for about a year before we went overseas and served as missionaries in Japan and the Czech Republic and raised our children overseas. And we came back to the U.S. to care for my father about six years ago. And God graciously allowed us to plant a church uh, one year later. So we have a five-year-old church celebrating our fifth birthday right about now. Wow. And in our five years back here in the U.S. Um, God has just allowed me to do some writing and some speaking, and that has been a surprise and a joy. And we also have four beautiful daughters. So life is full. They range, so the youngest is 14, and then 16, 18, and 24. And 24, uh, that daughter is also married and has two children. So we are grandparents.
1: Wow. And, you know, what I started with about selfishness, was it your first book, Enough About Me? That's
3: right, two years ago. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and so you've written about that, and now we're going to talk today about another book that has just released, Cultural Counterfeits, Confronting Five Empty Promises of Our Age and How We Were Made for So Much More.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So we're obviously going to get into some of these empty promises, but where does selfishness or the enough about me, the center of, I am the center of the universe. How does that lay a foundation for the world we live in?
3: Yeah, we really are living in the age of self. I mean, it's all about self-help, you do you. Um, imagine whatever you want to be, whoever you want to be, reach for the stars, um, dig deep, try hard, and you can be whoever you want to be. And some people just heard that and thought, What's wrong with that? <laughs> exactly. Actually, because, I just thought that. <laughs> right. We are so, we are swimming in those waters. We are deep in those waters, and so we don't even recognize what they are. But honestly, when you live by that lie, I'll just call it what it is right off the bat. When you live by that lie, then you have to be self made. And we cannot be self made people. We were not meant to be. We have a God who is our creator and who also died to save us. And so who we are has everything to do with whose we are. Mm-hmm. And it's so important that we lay that foundation. That we acknowledge that we have a God who made us and how did he make us and how did he make us to thrive? We've got to be asking that question.
1: Have you gone on that journey? Was there a time in your life where you found the end of yourself?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 12 times today, to be honest. <laughs> um, this is something that I I have to keep relearning daily, hourly, minute by minute. Um, But the Lord was gracious to me in college. As a college freshman, I write about it in um Enough About Me, where I really found myself on the floor of my dorm room, just broken and crying out to the Lord. I can't do it anymore. I can no longer perform for the acceptance and approval of others. I'm not enough. And Jesus said, you're right, you're not. But I am. And I'm here and I stand ready to heal you and restore you and resurrect you. And by his grace, he did. And I'm so thankful for that. Um, But of course, it wasn't one and done. Mm -hmm. I walk in my own pride and selfishness and strength every day. And he has to remind me, I am here. You are not enough, but I am.
2: I'm, I'm thinking about my own life. I'm guessing almost every listener has gotten to that point where they've tried to attain, you know, that you can be it all. You can make it. You can be the greatest Man, I was striving for that my whole life, and it gets weary. Mm -hmm. Even if it comes down to looks or your job, there's someone always a little bit better. Age happens, time happens, and our lives are shifting all the time and changing. So it becomes this weary carousel, and you just can't be on it very long without feeling the effects of I can never make it.
3: Yeah. And I think we're not only are we experiencing a COVID pandemic, but we're experiencing a pandemic of women and men. But I I mostly speak to women coming to the end of themselves and realizing, well, to be self-made, then I have to be an endless Hmm. resource, an endless source of energy and approval and empowerment for myself. And we just weren't made to run on our own fuel.
1: Cultural counterfeits is all about you're after this thing that you think this promise will deliver and it doesn't, and I don't know what to do. Is that where
3: you're talking? Yeah, that's absolutely right. You really just summarized the book really well. Okay, we're done. (laughs) Yeah, We're done. That's it. There's idols out there. We were made for more. (laughs) Well, talk about that. What's an idol? Sure. There's many definitions that we could go after, but an idol is something that we put our identity in. It's something that we say, I've got to arrive at that destination. If I don't have that, then I don't have the significance that I long for. You know, Tim Keller does a great job teaching Mm -hmm. about this in so many of his writings and sermons, so I've um, I really just appreciate his wisdom, but it's, it's a thing you look at and say, I've got to have that. And if I can't have it, I cannot be satisfied. So we do this with good things all the time. We do this with our careers, with our skills, our gifts, our bodies, our abilities. We do it with relationships, with our spouses, with our children. We do it with comfort, status, safety. I could go on all day long, but it's, we put our hope in that and we are defeated when we don't receive it.
1: Okay. Let's have confession time. Yeah. Is there an idol you've chased and maybe even still rises up in your mind even today?
3: I would say for me, I combat the idol of ability all the time. I align myself with what I can produce with my productivity. I feel worthless if I haven't taken care of my to-do list, if I haven't delivered the product that I told myself or I told somebody else that I could deliver. Hmm. And then I feel like my life doesn't have value, that I have failed because I then believe I am what I do. And so I've I make what I do my idol. All right. And you're next.
2: I would say now in this stage of my life, that's mine, Jen. I think now it's like that surrender of failure. Mm. And and I remember one time speaking, and I I remember praying like, God, I feel like I could make a fool of myself. And in my heart, I had this sense of God saying, would you be a fool for me? Mm. Will you just do it? And I was like. (laughs) okay I don't care what people think I'm just going to share the things that the word says that you've put on my heart and because I really do care about what people think yeah and that can determine how I feel about myself but in our early days my marriage was my idol Mm -hmm. and my kids were my idol for a long time and I can still battle with that yeah me too okay Mr. Wilson yeah
1: if I've ever preached anything That probably became a theme of sermons over 30 years. It'd be interesting to ask our congregation, but I think it's idols never deliver. Yes, I remember saying that that. many times, idols, you think they will. They never, it isn't sometimes, they never really deliver. And so the two you're talking about has never really come through. I mean, there are times where, oh, that felt good, but you end up, it's because it's an wait, idol. They wh- weren't wait, made to. What's yours? I'm nope. avoiding mine. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, there's so many, but I think you know success. Yeah. And success is usually, in my mind, represented by money.
2: I can remember, it just came to my mind. Which is so funny, coming from the pastor who's really never made any money. I know. Right? That's
1: why. You're always like, well, then if I did have.
2: Oh.
1: And, you know, being in the NFL as a chaplain for all those years, I was around a lot of money. And it, I should be able to literally get in my car every day and go, well, they would be the first to tell you that. I didn't do it. I can remember looking in my driveway The garage door was up, and we had one car. And I remember thinking, literally had this thought, when we have two cars, (laughs) I will be successful and happy. And we got a second car. Her brother gave us a car (laughs) because we were like missionaries. And I remember thinking, uh, maybe we need three. Mm. That's the cultural counterfeit.
2: Jen, how do we know when it's an idol? Because we have these desires. Is it wrong to have those desires
3: or to work really hard towards something? That's such a good question. It is not wrong to have these desires. But there is a subtle difference between stewarding that which God has given me and wanting to strive after it for my own glory and for myself. So I can look at my body and say, okay, it is able. I am healthy. God has given me an opportunity to write and to speak and to delve into to these truths with women, if I put my identity in that, then when I fail when maybe I have a moral failing or my body fails and I can no longer write or speak, then who am I? I've lost everything because that was my identity. But if for this season of life, God has given me these gifts, skills, and passions to steward for his glory, then it's about him. Then I am a tool in his hand and my only job is to be faithful to him and to shine the light on him. And then no matter what happens to my body, and even if I fail, if I make a fool of myself, as Mm. you said, Mm -hmm. even if I fail hard and I lose the respect of my entire community and Every reader I've ever had, I am still hidden in Christ. Hmm. And that's where we find safety and peace and security, nowhere else.
2: And I have found, have you found this too? If I'm not with Him, if I'm not in the Word, if I'm not in fellowship with Him and other believers, I can lose sight of that. Yeah. Because it's like there's a river
3: of culture that's sweeping me along. Do you think that's happening for all of us? Oh, absolutely. Especially with the you know, omnipresence of social media, I find myself getting really nervous frequently thinking, oh, I haven't thought deeply about certain issues enough or I haven't done the work enough or I haven't produced enough. I need to do more. I need to try harder and strive harder to be better at who I am and what I do. And that's just a very different perspective than saying, Lord, I receive the calling that you've given me and I'm going to steward it for your glory. This is a message about you, not about me. And those are worlds apart. Worlds apart. Mm-hmm. Well, you've
1: already mentioned or you hinted at one of the empty promises of this age. And I'm I'm thinking of obsession with our bodies, ability. You call it uh, bodies, beauty, and ability.
2: Yeah.
1: Part of me hears that and goes, oh, that's a woman's thing. <laughs> you know, men don't struggle with that, but we do. Do yeah. you? Oh, yeah. It's I crazy. So. I mean, you, you know when we were dating and I was starting to lose my hair. I mean, now I'm completely for decades bald, but it was You're a, a hottie
2: too. I'm a hottie, whatever. <laughs>
1: She's trying to be nice to me. Cause I was, a, anyway, just that. I mean, I would, every mirror I'd walk by, I'd be like, you know, checking how much of it. So it's a guy thing as much as a woman thing. Mm-hmm. But,
3: how is that an empty promise of our age? It's the human condition. As you've just said, we want to be beautiful. We want people to look at us and to admire us. We want to be known. We want to be able to look at each other and say, do I look okay? Do I look pretty? And we want to be appreciated for how we appear. Same with ability. You know, can I do the things? Can I earn my place in society? And so we want the approval. We want to be known and appreciated and applauded by others. And the unfortunate thing is that these bodies are finite. You know, we are wasting away, Paul says. Thankfully, inwardly by the Spirit, we're being renewed day by day, he also says. But if we put our hope in these physical bodies, we will be disappointed Mm -hmm. because they will fail they will falter. And so we can't put our hope in that. And I think we see this idol play out in a really dark and sinister and pervasive way in just the culture of death that we have in our... Um, and I'm sorry, I took it really deep, really quick there. <laughs> but we see it in abortion, in assisted suicide, and just sort of the throwaway culture that we live in where we feel like people and bodies are useless if they cannot be supremely healthy in this moment. And we do away with them. That's where... The This idol ends up. If you Mm. keep living for it, that's where it ends up.
1: You've got four daughters. So I'm guessing as a mom, you've had to deal with this obsession with beauty and body. 100%. Not that it isn't true for sons, but definitely for daughters. How do you help them navigate through that?
3: Yeah, I mean, this is a daily thing, and it is for myself, too. I'm as vain as the next man or woman. I seek after this idol myself, and so it is a daily conversation in our household. And I think what's important for Christians to remember is that beauty is not wrong. You know, God is the creator of beauty and God himself is beautiful. He created gorgeous sunsets and awe-inspiring mountains and oceans on purpose so that we might look to him. So to pursue beauty and even to be wearing makeup or doing your hair, whatever, beautiful clothes, those things are not wrong. But Peter and Paul in their writings remind us that what matters is the inner beauty, the beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit that does not fade. So let's not trust in our outward adornment. We see women in Scripture who do have outward adornment it's not wrong to have that but let's not trust in that let's not put our hope in that our hope should be in the inner beauty that God gives by the renewal of his spirit.
2: I remember my friend with three daughters she would tell her daughters that Mm. it's about your inward beauty that Mm. matters and I remember one of her daughters saying but mom The world and my friends in high school, they don't care about my inner beauty. (laughs) They care about my outward beauty. And so that matters to me, too.
3: Mm. What do you do when your daughters are in that? It's hard. I know, right? And I have to say myself, too. Like, I have to talk to them and say, yeah, I get it. You know, I'm in my mid-40s now. I don't look the way I looked 10 years ago. And if I liked that better, then it's too late. It's gone. (laughs) So this is not something that I'm just teaching to them. It's something that I'm teaching to myself as Mm. well. I think a big part of the battle that we have right now is social media. Again, I know I've, I already said it, but I'm going to probably say it again during this conversation because it is so pervasive. And so everybody is posting their best photos, right? They're posting their best moments, their most beautiful filtered edited images and so we scroll those they're in our hands we get out our phones when we're in the grocery store line when we're pumping gas you know every time we have five seconds of boredom we're looking at these pictures and we're ingesting them and social media really is discipling us it is. it's shaping how we think about ourselves and how we think about each other and so we've got to break free from that and put it down and go you know what reels aren't real this is not real This is not true life. And again, take our eyes off of ourselves, off of the cultural landscape and lift them up to Jesus and ask him, who are we in you? Mm. Who have you made me to be?
2: I remember, I think I was maybe in my 40s and I was sitting down to be with Jesus. And my schedule was that I would always work out first thing in the morning, always, before I would spend time with him. And so if there was anything that I missed, it was my time with God. Mm. And I remember this one time sitting down and I had this feeling of, why do I always get my workout in? But I will miss my time with God of just reading and reflecting a little bit and journaling. And I had this feeling like, why aren't I developing my soul mm. and strengthening that yeah. first? And I realized like it's because I care so much what other people are thinking mm. about the outward. And so I went on this journey of even realizing, like, if people could see my inward soul What would they think? Mm. You know, and I think that's interesting. If we could actually see each other of what's going on in our hearts, we would care a lot more about our time with Jesus in some ways. But that was a really good reminder of me, like, what is more important? Where is my time?
1: And and it's interesting to think, you know, as we are parents, we're leading. We have three sons. You have four daughters. We're leading them. And we're probably saying that to them. Hey, it's not about beauty. It's not about ability. That's important, but not the most important. It's about. Who you are in Christ, and yet if we're not living that, right?
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've
1: done it. I, as a preacher, I mean, I would get in the car on Sunday after three or four sermons, and I would evaluate how I did based yeah. on what did the people say. Yeah, I really did, yeah. and I'm like, Anne would say, "Hey, how'd it go today?" I'm like, "I don't think very good." How? Why? I felt great, but nobody said anything. And so you're like, it's like you're walking around the lobby, like, somebody please say you were good, you know? And it's such a idle. Yeah. Because you think you're good or or not based on what people think. And it's not true at all. So how do we break that?
3: I mean, I think what Anne said is absolutely right. We have to prioritize time in the Word because we are swimming in these cultural waters that are going to tell us what you just said is what matters, what other people have to say is what matters. But that is so fickle and frail and always changing. So we have to be rooted in what's true and we forget what's true so quickly. I mean, five minutes later, right? Yeah. So we do have to be in the Word and remembering the character and the goodness and the kindness and mercy of our Lord and how he invited us to abide in him. That has to root us. We will be lost without it. I think this could be a great
2: homework question for tonight. If you're single, do this with a friend. If you're married, if you're blended, if you have kids, this would be a good conversation at some point this week. Talk about what your idols are, Hmm. the things that you're tempted toward more. And you could name Some of these five in the book that Jen has written, but maybe each person just kind of share. What do you struggle with of culturally that you're pulled toward more than anything else? And you
1: want to really have courage. Ask a good friend.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, we joked about it earlier. Like, I could tell you what yours are. You could tell me. Ask your spouse or... Boy, oh boy, if you want to have guts and you've got teenage kids in your home, I bet you they've <laughs> seen your idols. So they're mom or dad, ask, ask your ask them.
2: kids what they think your idol is. You're always is. telling them mm. what theirs
1: are. What would happen if you said, hey, uh, do you see anything that you think I'm trying to find my, my happiness from? And then don't get defensive.
2: That's the key. you know,
1: Because yeah. they're probably going to be used by God to say, hey, I'm going to point something out. And then get back on your knees and yeah. get your eyes on the real creator of of who you are and find life in him.
3: You know, a conversation I recently had with my 16-year-old really points this out. So I pray with my girls on the way to school every morning, and it's just a five-minute drive, and so it's a very brief prayer. Also, it tends to um, sort of be wrote, you know, not on purpose, but I'm often praying the same thing every day. Sure, me too. I did
2: that every time we drove to school. Yeah,
3: and so maybe not verbatim, but the same things are coming up. And I ask the Lord every day to protect them from this idol, that they would not put their hope in their ability, that they would not identify with their grades with whether or not they made the play or they made the team or they have the right friend group. I asked the father to protect them from these sorts of things. So, So, you know, you never know if it's sinking in, right? But I went ahead and went back to seminary to finish my degree last semester. And when I was getting ready to take my very first midterm, you know, I haven't been in school for like 20 years. <laughs> so I'm getting ready to take my first midterm. The brain is not what it used to be. The memory's not in church history. So it's a lot of numbers. And I was so stressed. I'm like pacing in the kitchen, you know, just avoiding this test. And my 16-year-old says to me, Mom, you're not defined by your grades. <laughs> <laughs> I mean for like, her. You are so right. And praise the Lord, you've heard those it's prayers. Yeah. you just rehearsed the truth back to me. Yeah. Thank you.
0: the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. If you would like to purchase the CD of today's program, email us at radio at powertochange.org.au Or go to the podcast section of our website families.powertochange.org.au where you'll find lots of information, news and resources. Until tomorrow, God's blessings.